The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. Negotiate Anything is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, and with over 3 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made this the number one negotiation podcast in the world. I'm Kwame Christian, and I'm the director of the American Negotiation Institute. We're growing, and I want to introduce you to our new team members and new trainers. This will help to give you new, diverse perspectives on negotiation and conflict resolution. That's why I'm excited to let you know that Shane Martin, our head of sales and partnerships, is going to serve as co-host of the show from time to time. We are passionate about providing you with the best content that will help to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that our team conducts negotiation and conflict resolution trainings in the United States and abroad. Our trainings will give you the practical skills you need to resolve conflict, negotiate, lead, and persuade with confidence. Click the link in the description below to learn how we can help to make your difficult conversations easier. And now, let's get to the show. Emily, thanks for joining us today. Kwame, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it is our pleasure and thank you for coming back. So how about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure, well, I'm the founder and CEO of Bossed Up, where I help women and marginalized folks create radical progress in their careers. It's a company I started way back in 2013 now where we really bring kind of an organizer's or advocate's approach to career services. After I started my career off in the world of politics, in campaigns and elections, I like to essentially take all that I've learned from that space and really help people be their own best advocate in work. Oh, this is great. And also, you have a program that's coming up that is, sounds really fantastic. Can you tell the listeners about that too? Absolutely. So one of the main things we're focusing on at Bossed Up these days is actually our Level Up Leadership Accelerator. It's a six-month intensive program that involves not only monthly workshops and accountability calls, but also executive coaching to help first-time or aspiring managers to take their leadership to the next level. So we really help those folks who want to go from being a strong individual contributor to being the best people manager and the best strategic thinker that they can possibly be as they level up in their careers. It's kind of the in-between between going back and getting a full MBA and just winging it on your own. So we like to really help organizations and individuals fill that gap and learn to be the best boss they can be. Nice. And and everybody, there are going to be links in the description of in the episode, so make sure to check that out. And uh, that's a perfect segue for what we're going to talk about today, Emily, because we're sure. going to talk about how people can level up in their career, be that, that leader that they want to be. But also, we're going to talk about some of the skills that they need, especially as it relates to communication, conflict resolution, and a little bit of negotiation in order Definitely. to make that happen. So. So let's talk about that transition, mm. going from an individual contributor to a first-time manager. Let's just describe it, and then we'll, sure. we'll flow from there. Yeah, I think it's interesting because as someone who's been tapped for leadership or is thinking about 
getting to the point in their career where they actually want to have some authority and power to equip others, right, and lead others in their department or on a team, you probably already are a really strong individual contributor, meaning you've learned to manage your work really well. You've learned to manage tasks, to cross the T's, to dot the I's, to do things right and really get things done. And those skills of being task-oriented, focused on doing things right, and focused on, on processes or, or work product in and of itself, those are all really strong individual contributor skills, but they are fundamentally different than becoming a leader of others, right? Being really good at managing work does not necessarily mean you're gonna be good at leading others. So I always like to differentiate between managers who are focused on administrating tasks and doing things right versus leaders who are focused on innovating, thinking what tasks should be on my to-do list, what tasks aren't there right now that I think belong there, or what tasks are there right now that I think don't belong there. How can I innovate and improve and iterate on the systems and processes, not just cross off the to-do list items for the day, but really create the to-do list items for myself, for others, for today, and for tomorrow. And instead of being so task-oriented and focused on administering programs and the workflow itself, leaders are truly focused on people, right? They're not focused so much on doing things right meticulously as they are focused on doing right by their people. What do I need to do today to invest in the person on my team to make sure that they're equipped to be successful today, tomorrow, and beyond? And so kind of navigating that transition can feel really uncomfortable because you're used to being an individual contributor who just slays a to-do list and gets things done quickly. And leading others, developing others, is a slower process with less dopamine satisfaction, right? Less of a to-do list checkbox feeling and more of a people-oriented, emotionally intelligent approach to work and equipping teams. And that, I don't know, it can be really, I think, surprising for folks who are navigating that transition. Definitely. I mean, it, it was surprising for me. <laughs> I know both of us have, have gone through that transition, too. Yeah. And when you work with these uh, folks who are leveling up in their career in this yeah. way, what are some of the biggest challenges they face as it relates to their interactions with the people on their team? Great question. One challenge that comes to mind right away is I could do this so much faster if I just did it myself. Right. <laughs> so there's this focus on efficiency that high achieving individual contributors have to kind of weigh against a focus on long term ROI of training and developing uh, and developing others. So even though yes, I could deliver this keynote on assertive communication faster and with more ease and less prep work than equipping someone else on my trainer team to do so. If I take the time to really train my trainers well and equip my speakers on behalf of Bossed Up to be able to deliver that assertive communications workshop with as much quality and confidence and research-driven accuracy as I would deliver it, then if I invest upfront in that person's abilities, then I can turn to them time and time again for them to kind of 
step into their own leadership and run with that program down the road. So one big challenge I always hear is, Oof, but it would be so much faster if I just did this myself. And whenever you run into, especially delegating to others and it not going well, right? Delegating to others and that other person disappointing you, I see a lot of leaders out there getting very conservative and kind of flinching and pulling back with all of their work on their plate and saying, never mind, that was a failure. I'm never going to trust you with this work again. I'm just going to do it myself from here on out. That's the safe way that I can control the outcome. And that's a humongous mistake. Um, and so this, that brings me to the second challenge, and I'll, I'll leave it at these top two, which is mistaking other people's failures with a lack of training when often it's actually a lack of clarity. How clearly did you as a leader and manager of others set expectations? And I'll guarantee you, you think you're being clear about the work you're asking from others, but you're probably not being clear enough. I would say 95% of the leaders that I work with are not being clear enough when it comes to delegating to others. For instance, my staff, we actually went through this process and re-evaluated our systems and structures for clearly delegating work to others a couple years ago. And for every single role on my team, I have about 100 rows on a spreadsheet that's called a tasks and standards spreadsheet, in which under every single row, there's a single task that is associated with their role, their job description, and the standard to which that task needs to be completed. And that's the level of meticulousness that I get when it comes to delegating to others, because if people are not meeting your expectations, it is your job as a leader and manager to clarify where things got confused or how you can redirect their actions. Uh, and so every two weeks or every four weeks, I meet one-on-one -on -one with each staff member and go through that list of tasks and standards and they give themselves a self-evaluation as to how they are measuring up to meeting all of those expectations. And then I give them feedback on their self-evaluation line by line, row by row together. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying being super clear. Uh, I think oftentimes when you go from being an individual contributor to a leader of others, we think, well, what do they not get about how to complete that expense report? Like it's so simple, but really we have to be more explicit than we think we do. This is great. Yeah, this is, uh, and again, this is great timing for us at, at <laughs> A&I too, because we're going through a lot of this as well. But mm -hmm. it's, it's really important to be clear in that communication. And I think this is ultimately empowering too for these, yeah. these leaders who are new in this role, because um, we often blame other people for these outcomes, yeah. but we don't take the time to reflect on what we did to contribute to that situation. Totally. And, and I think this gives us a perfect segue for our second part of the interview, which is how to clarify and communicate your leadership vision. So, so let's talk about that. Yeah. Where, where do you think we should start? Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. 
Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. Well, it's so interesting, right? Because I should mention that I... I'm very focused at Bossed Up on how gender influences leadership and assertiveness and all elements of being a working professional in a world that still treats women differently, right? And in a society that still treats women differently. So the first thing I think is worth mentioning is that uh, in, a, in a large scale meta-analysis of leadership studies and, and really of 360 degree reviews on managers, women managers were rated as high or higher than their male counterparts on every single leadership characteristic, like emotional intelligence, communication, empathy, execution, quality of work, et cetera, except for the skill of envisioning, which is really about saying, here's where I want us to go next, right? A leadership vision is a clear picture of an achievable future, that's it a clear picture of an achievable future. What are we driving towards? Why are we driving towards it? And how does it relate back to your why or why your team should even get out of bed every day and come to work? So one really famous example of a really clear leadership vision is we're gonna put a man on the moon. You know, We're gonna cure cancer. We're gonna have a personal computer on every desk. So we have really clear leadership visions throughout history and even the modern day, but it can be really hard to find one as it relates to your purview at work. What is a clear vision? If you're not in charge of your entire company like you are Kwame, right? You and I have a great responsibility as business owners to be very clear about where we wanna take our entire business because at the end of the day, it's totally up to us. But if you're a manager within a large multinational corporation, you can't just say, here's where I'm going to take GE next year, right? If you're not Mary Guerra or in the C-suite. So the question becomes, okay, what do I have authority over? What, what's my domain? And what's my team responsible for? And how can I clarify in a compelling way where I want to see us go next? That is a difficult process of, that requires distillation, right? Drilling things down. I'm a big personal journaler. I love to reflect in writing. Some people like to reflect via talking it out. So whether you talk it out 
write it out, workshop it, or all of the above. It is our job as leaders to be clear with people about what we're driving towards. And oftentimes that means giving ourselves permission to prioritize. If we're driving towards X, we can't prioritize Y, right? If we're driving towards X, we have to say, yeah, A, B, and C are important, but X is our priority. And more often than not, being a middle manager is a, is a juggling act of managing expectations that you're being held responsible for from those above you and the expectations that you wanna give your team so that you can be as clear as possible about what is important and what takes precedent. So developing that leadership vision requires first and foremost, audacity. Audacity is the opposite of what we're taught in school. We're taught in school there is a single right answer and it's your job to study hard and find that answer, to perfect, to perform, to please others. And women in particular take that to heart. It makes us really great individual contributors, but it doesn't set us up to be really compelling and inspiring leaders because audacity is giving yourself permission, freeing yourself to extrapolate, to say, well, based on everything I've learned to date, based on my outsider perspective, based on my X years in the industry, here's where I think we should be going. Here's what I think we should be doing. Whether or not you've got a 10-page report that backs you up on that. And so giving yourself permission to be audacious and say to your team, here's where I wanna see us in 12 months, in three years, in five years, requires freeing yourself to dream big, to aim high, and to not necessarily have the 10 point step plan figured out just yet. You'll figure out the plan later, right? That's the second part of this. That's the strategic planning part of leadership. But vision, vision requires audacity and freeing yourself to say, here's where I want us to go even before I know how we're gonna get there. Yeah, oh, this is great, this is great. And I, I love the use of the term audacity here because you, it really does require a, a healthy dose of it because <laughs> right. we are unable, we, we can't predict the future, we can't. And really what we're being asked to do as leaders is predict and then help to build yeah. that future that we don't know whether or not will come. Right. But people right. need that guidance, they need that guidance. And it's critical for us to be able to put ourselves, you know, put ourselves out there to a certain extent totally. and then trust the team to, to put it together. because. That is like you said, we don't know exactly how we're going to get there, right. but we should have a, at least enough trust in our team that yeah. we have the right people there who could build that pathway to that vision. Right, and it's not like we're gonna abandon ship. We're not just gonna say, hey, get me to Mars, see you later, you know? We're just saying, <laughs> where the heck should we be driving towards? And then, how can I help shepherd that process through? How can I support you? How can I equip you, right? As servant leaders in particular, we're focused on how can I serve my team so that they're set up to serve the overall mission. You know, so it's, it's a two-way street in that we're not, we're not saying I'm just the big ideas guy. I hate that, right? This idea that like there's just ideas people and then there's like the doers versus the dreamers. I think all leaders need a healthy dose of both. We have to be both dreamers and doers. We have to be willing to say, I wanna see us take our team to the next level by doing X by the end of this year and make that clear, compelling, singular vision that's motivating, that's inspiring, that says, here's what success is defined by. And then 
walk through the strategy of how we're going to get there. I think so many of us, especially women, but especially leaders across the gender spectrum who say, I just want to be more inspiring. You know, my team, I think, respects my hard work, but I don't think they find me inspiring. Well, the missing ingredient then is audacity. Because to be inspiring towards others, you have to be willing to stick your neck out and say, I don't know how we're going to do it, but here's where we're going to get to in the next three years. Here's where I see our team going. And being willing to share that vision before the future is upon us, like you said, Kwame, is part of what leadership is about. It's about risk taking and then taking responsibility for seeing that process through. I always come back to this phrase that I originally put in Boss Up's uh, manifesto back in 2013, which is have confidence in your ability to figure it out. It's not that you have to have it all figured out. And it's not the bravado type confidence that's that chest thumping like, I can do no wrong, <laughs> right? Nobody wants to hear their leader say, this is definitely gonna work. I, you know, I'm 1000% sure we will definitely make this happen and there's no room for error. There's no room for weakness or vulnerability. That's not relatable. But what they do want our leaders to say is, listen, I don't know how we're gonna get there just yet, but I am in the trenches with you. I'm rolling up my sleeves because we're gonna figure this out together. And I have confidence that with you and your hard work and this incredible team and me and everything I can do to equip our team to be successful, we're gonna get there together. I really like this because this really speaks to not just the clarity of the communication, mm. being mindful of how we are articulating that vision and thinking through it, mm. but also we have to, with that audacious communication, there is some confidence built into that. You you will sound different. Right. And I, I want you to speak to the value of tone and how mm. that goes into your communication strategy. So when we're thinking about how we are setting that vision for our team, yeah. how do we say it, not just what do we say? That's a great question. I think it's, you know, we're in a tricky line of work, Kwame, in that any advice that I give here on tone can be misinterpreted because I would hate to ever come across as tone policing, right, and telling people that the way that they authentically come across in their day-to-day -day speech is somehow wrong or bad because we still live in a world where patriarchy and systemic bias and racism and sexism and classism has a lot to say about what kind of tones are acceptable in the workplace. And I don't think we actually change those standards by conforming to them. So I think authenticity is key here. And, and I don't want anyone to feel like they have to fundamentally change who they are to be respected as a leader. I think the world would be better if we enabled all kinds of people with all kinds of backgrounds to be given those opportunities to be leaders or take those opportunities to be leaders, right? Now, that huge caveat aside, I do think there are some best practices, but I think people have to really think of these as tools in their communications toolbox, and only they can decide when to reach for the hammer versus when to reach for the screwdriver, right? And there's, there's personal agency and choice inherent in those, in those moments. Um, you know, I think one of the key components here is balancing authenticity, or rather vulnerability, with taking responsibility. And that's a fine balance, right? 
Some of us take too much responsibility, which is, you know what? You didn't get that report done at all. That's okay. I'll do it for you. Don't worry about it. I got this. And then you stay up till midnight. That person doesn't do their job in a fundamental way. And you say, I'm going to jump on that grenade for our team. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm happy to do so. That's the martyrdom mindset, as I describe in my book, right? The martyrdom mindset is this idea of constantly martyring yourself for the success of the team, which is not good for anybody. It means we're boundaryless. It means you're likely to burn out. It means your team doesn't believe you when you set boundaries, and so they don't respect those boundaries or deadlines anyway. And it means that there's a fundamental lack of trust and respect there too. So we don't want to say, you know, I will take too much responsibility for myself and others. We need to hold ourselves responsible for what we say we're going to do, and we need to hold our team members and colleagues responsible for what they say they're going to do. That being said, we're two plus years into a global pandemic. We're in a global health crisis that everyone tries to pretend is like resolved, which very much isn't. And now we may or may not be on the brink of World War III or something like it. So we have to acknowledge that like, People are struggling right now. So there has to be some room for authenticity too. And to me, that's really the fine line of leadership is how do we balance exerting responsibility, taking responsibility, and holding others responsible with vulnerability and saying, it seems like you're really struggling right now. Help me understand where you're coming from. You know, what happened to that deadline last Friday? It's Monday morning, and I still don't see that report on my desk. What's going on? How can we troubleshoot this together? And when I talk about being vulnerable as leaders, it's not about just sharing for the sake of sharing. It's about saying, I see you. I feel you. I'm there with you. I can empathize with what you're experiencing right now. And I'm interested in and curious about your perspective as to how we move forward productively from here, right? And I I think those are two elements of being a leader that are so, so important to bring to your tone is not all authority and not all warmth. In fact, there's this concept in the literature called the warmth competence model, which is about how do we balance competence and being good at your job and holding people accountable to being good at their jobs and kind of coming down on people with authority versus warmth, friendliness, kindness, empathy, emotional intelligence. And all the literature says both are important for leaders. But if you have to choose one to start with, start with warmth. Connect before you lead, right? Connect on a human-to-human level. Get to know people and where they're coming from and what their struggles are and what their challenges are. And if you can connect with people human-to-human first, you're more likely to have their trust when it comes to saying, look, the rubber's meeting the road. We've got to move this project along. How are we going to get there together? This is great. Yeah, that is the first time I've heard of the warmth competence model, but it makes a lot of sense. Mm. It makes a lot of sense. We want to connect in order to make people feel safe. And then there's some mutual vulnerability there too. It's like, okay, Emily isn't here to just lay down the hammer and fire me. She actually cares about who I am, what I'm working on, and and is also here for the business as well. And we're just trying to marry those two things together. Mm. I I think that's really great. And, And what you did with that answer is you've provided people with something that is practical and actionable too, right? So we can connect first. We dis- we we show that warmth to show people that we yeah. care, and then we can very clearly demonstrate 
what needed to be done and yeah. there, the potential discrepancy between the two and then having some curiosity say okay help me to understand what happened here how can we work through this together I, I really like that framework totally and what you just reiterated there is the concept of putting the problem or the conflict before the two of you or the three of you or the collection of you instead of putting the problem between you right instead of me saying hey direct report what happened here you messed up you need to deliver X to me by end of day or we're going to have problems. <laughs> that is, that's one way to do it. That's using power over others, right? But to use power with others is to say, hey, so-and-so, come look at this with me. This isn't where it needs to be. How can we tune this up? How can we finish this together? What went wrong here? Help me understand what I wasn't clear about. It's about leaders taking some, not all, but some responsibility for our teams if they're struggling. And to be fair, people have to meet you halfway, right? I can hear folks who might be listening to this and saying, yeah, Emily, that's all nice and good, but Joe in accounting is out to get me and he's trying to make my life miserable. And I don't know how to deal with Joe in accounting, <laughs> you know, who's like out to sabotage me. Or maybe Joe in accounting doesn't report to me, but I really need him to do this thing for me. And I don't have any direct authority over him. How the hell am I supposed to leverage that kind of relationship? And the answer is, you know, leading without authority is difficult, but it happens every day. It happens every day. So how can you cultivate trust, create psychological safety, right? Create, create an environment where people want to help you succeed. And if they don't, you know, the rubber does eventually meet the road for folks like that, right? People do need to meet you halfway. And I'm not saying here as a leader that you should just tolerate anything without consequences. There are consequences. But if I can say to my my team, look, here's the consequence of this action not happening in the way that we need it to happen. Uh, you know, if this continues to happen, this consequence will continue to happen, or this is, this is how this outcome is going to roll out. So being really clear about the situation, the action, and the outcome. You know, if we don't solve for this situation together by you taking this action and me taking this action, here's the outcome that we're driving towards. And I want to, as a manager, give that feedback in a way that either redirects their behavior or reinforces their behavior, right? It's not constructive criticism because criticism is no fun for anybody pretty much at any time. But it's what is feedback that says more of this and less of that because that's what people can actually act on. Right. Oh, this is great. This is great. Emily, you know I could just talk to you forever. I love this. this. We're, we're, you we're and I could jam on, on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. So – before you go, I want, again, to give you an opportunity to let the listeners know about you, your company, the yeah. upcoming program, and how they can get in touch. Definitely. So head to bossedup.com. You can find lots of free resources there and a full program description of Level Up and Speak Up, another program that's perfect for leaders who want to learn how to be more assertive in their communication on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So Level Up is our six-month-long leadership accelerator. It only launches a few times a year, uh, and it's available coming up very soon. If you go to bossedup.org slash levelup, you can download a full program syllabus, see all the details of what we cover to help you step up into that leadership role or hone your existing leadership skills so that you can be the best boss you can be. And the really exciting part, Kwame, is that we are now at Bossed Up partnering with organizations 
who want specifically a customized level up leadership accelerator for the women within their team and their company. So we work with a lot of tech companies, folks in the legal space, in all kinds of STEM fields that are historically male dominated from the moment you look at that first manager level. They might have equal numbers or even more women coming in at the entry level. But if you look at that pipeline up to leadership, the very first promotion, men are getting promoted at almost twice the rate at as compared to women in that first step up to manager. So we really want to help close that leaky pipeline. And companies who believe in that and share our share our values there are bringing me and the Bossed Up team in to help create custom level up accelerators for their staff. That's great. So excited. Again, listeners, there is going to be there are going to be links in the description of this episode. Emily, thank you again, my friend. Really thank appreciate you, it. Thank you, Kwame. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.